man, I'm wound up. My Christmas decorations are going up early because that was a really early Thanksgiving. It's good to see you here this morning. Um, if you've been with us the last eight Sundays, we have tackled some pretty heavy questions. My guess is that you related to one or two of them a lot, right? And then a couple of them you were like, eh, maybe that wasn't my question, but it might have been for somebody else. But today's question, the one we're wrapping up with, everybody in the room. Go ahead and look around at everybody in the room. Go ahead and just, just check them all out. You were doing it anyway. You were like looking at what they were wearing thinking, I dress better. I know. Everybody in the room, if you're breathing, can relate to this question, right? Especially after being with family. How can I be godly when people make me feel like the devil, right? That's the question we're going to tackle today. Now, your family might be great, but sometimes, like, just the best families, if they're in a closed environment for more than a day or two, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, how that can affect us, right? And so uh, this morning we're talking about, like, what do we do with difficult people? How do we handle difficult people? And not just handle them, but how do we handle them in a way that would be godly? Now, I, I can give you an answer for how to handle difficult people, right? Um, there's a, I, I found this website. I was doing research, and I found this website that has an idea on how to handle difficult people. It's called Revenge, right? And this website is literally called mastersofrevenge.com. So you can go to Masters of Revenge, and what they'll allow you to do is you can pick their different services, and depending on the services that you pick, they'll do what you ask them to do. So if you got somebody in your life that you, they're just driving you crazy, right, um, you can't stand them, they've backstabbed you, whatever, you can go to Masters of Revenge, and you can pay them a little under $3, and, and they will send your ex-friend a text cutting them down. They'll, they'll send them a text that says stuff like this. Hey, why don't you slip into something more comfortable, like a coma? It's terrible, isn't it? They'll send them a text that says the best part of our relationship, I mean the worst part of our relationship was when you were awake. That's awful, right? And those are the good ones. Like those are the good, if you want to do more than that, and they're all anonymous, if you want to do more than that, you can pay them $6. And for $6, they'll send them an email. If you, if you want to go all in, you can pay them $318, and they will design for you a revenge website where you can um, expose all the dirt on this person that you want to get revenge on. This is ma I'm t Masters of Revenge. You, you can look it up. It's definitely not recommended by me. I'm just telling you, like, this is how our, our world processes this stuff, right? How do we deal with difficult people? And they would say, well, we deal with them through revenge. Um, there's all kinds of difficult people, right? There's like, um, do you know people that one-up you, one-uppers? I was going to show you this clip, but I'll let you go home and you can just, you can just Google it. If you're a Brian Regan fan, you just need to watch his, his little bit called I Walked on the Moon. It's all about people that one-up you. Do you know people that are like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh? Like if they won the lottery, they'd be like, I won the lottery. It's, you'd be like, come on, man, you just won the lottery. I know, it's great. Merry Christmas. And it's like, it's just, oh, right. And then like the people that we would, maybe you could call them bombs. Like you just know it's a matter of time. Like you can almost hear their soul ticking. And then like, 
I just blow up. And usually in the worst places, right? So, like, how do we deal with difficult people? The world would say get revenge. I'm going to say that, that God has a different answer. And, and we find it in, in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. It's a lot. I'm going to read it. It will be up on the screen for you. Here's what God says. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with good. So how do we deal with difficult people if we're not going to get revenge? And here's what I would say. Instead of taking revenge, offer redemption. That's your big idea. Like, that's it. That's the whole thing. Instead of taking revenge, offer redemption. So how do we do that? How do we offer redemption to people that are difficult? And, and let me just say this too. What makes it hard is sometimes the most difficult people are the ones that we love the most. Have you noticed this? They're, um, they're not like, they don't, they're not enemies on the other side of the globe. They're the people that you live with, the people that you work with. They're your friends, their family. They're sitting in the building right now. So Sometimes we think of difficult people as bad people. Some, they're not bad necessarily. Sometimes they're good people that are just in bad situations. So how can we deal with difficult people or deal with people in difficult situations and still be godly? I've got three suggestions, okay, three suggestions for you this morning. You can write them down. Here's the, here's, here's the first one. When we're dealing with difficult people, always, everybody say always. Always deal with the most difficult person first. Always deal with the most difficult person first. And that would be you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Or me. I mean, like, it's you and it's me, right? We are the most difficult people. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. Now listen, I'm going to ask you to, to hang in here. Listen to the all, of, all five of these verses. Because what happens in, is we hang out on that first one. Like, don't judge or you'll be judged. But then we're going to read the next four or five verses, and guess what they talk about doing? Judging. Okay? So just hang with me. It sounds like it doesn't make sense, but just listen to the whole thing. Don't judge others. You will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging, so there is judging going on, is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck 
in your friend's eye. We got to get ourselves better so that we can help other people get better. Like this is the, um, the verse that the whole oxygen thing on the airplane is based off of. If we experience turbulence, oxygen mass will fall down. If you're an adult, put it on yourself first before you put it on your child, which makes no sense because you're like, I want to help my kid first. But if you can't breathe, you can't help them. If you can't see, then you can't get the speck out of your friend's eye. You've got to take care of yourself first. You've got to start with the most difficult person, and we are the most difficult people. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, uh, King David has, well, before chapter 12, he's done terrible things. He has had an affair. He has um, sent the, the husband of the wife that he had an affair with off to war and had him killed. So he had an affair. He murdered and he, faked, and he tried to cover it all up. And God sent Nathan, a prophet, to him. And Nathan told him a story about a man who stole somebody's sheep, even though he had all kinds of sheep. And David got furious at this story and at this man until Nathan looked at him and said, in verse 7, you are the man. Can I just suggest this to you? That God often uses difficult people in our lives to be like a mirror? And often what we don't like in them is the thing that we don't like in us. The problem is we can see in others so much more clearly what we can't see in ourselves. And so when difficult people arise in your life, often we need to be asking God, is there something in them that's driving me crazy that's actually in me? You'd be surprised how many times the answer to that is yes. So a good place to start when we're going to deal with difficult people is Psalm 139. Verses 23 through 24 says this. It's a great prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That is such a good place to start that we're going to do it right now. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to think about the person in your life that is, you would say, the most difficult person to deal with. And I'm going to pray that prayer over us. God, before we go any further in this, what we're asking your spirit to do is search us. The person we're thinking of right now, the face that we see, the name that we hear, they drive us crazy, God. They're difficult to deal with, but the truth of the matter is it could be that they're difficult to deal with because we are difficult to deal with. And so we're inviting you to come, God, and before we even talk about those people, we're giving your spirit the freedom to deal with us. Search us, God. Know us. Reveal to us the things that we need to repent of and then lead us in a way that leads to life. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, so when you've dealt with yourself first, the most difficult person first, that's us. Here's the next guideline. Don't try to change them. Try to understand them. Sometimes what we, try, we try to change people, right? Like if I could just, this is so true in marriage, if I could just fix you, my life would be easier, right? But instead of trying to change people, try to understand them. Sometimes we try to bully difficult people into doing or acting the way that we want them to or the way that we think they should, but that's not what Jesus did. So Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. 
backstory here is Jesus had to deal with difficult people that were religious. They were called Pharisees. And so they would always accuse him of things. They would ask him questions, and they would try to trap him. And so when they accused him, they asked him a question. This is how Jesus responded. I'll tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven, or was it merely human? Answer me. The point here is that Jesus is asking questions so he can try to figure out what the motive is behind what they're saying. Now, Jesus was the Son of God, so do you think he knew the answer? Yeah. Are we the Son of God? I mean, we're sons and daughters of God, but we're not Jesus, right? So when we try to understand people, we're going to ask questions that we don't necessarily have the answer to. But when you're dealing with difficult people, man, let me tell you something. The best thing to do is to ask them, try to understand them, try to find out what is the thing behind the thing, right? What's really going on? What I would encourage you to do is, is to try to understand exactly what's motivating them to act towards you the way that you, they're acting. Real life example, this will help. So if you're in sales, you'll relate to this. I'm not in sales, but when I was in college, I sold waterless cookware for one summer. It was awful. Waterless cookware. It was like, I think my mom's the only person that bought an entire set because she loved me and she's like, I'll buy a whole set. And so she did. We had to go door to door. Um, if you're an introvert like me and they tell you that you have to go door to door, cold sales, introvert, not a good combination, right? Like not good at all. But you know if you're in sales, like you're not going to get a yes every time. And so what I, the only thing I remember about this whole summer was when they trained us how to do sales, they prepared us for the rejection. And so here's what the man told us. He said, if you go up to a door and you knock on it, they open it, and you ask, hey, I'm here selling this. I'd like to come in and do a demonstration. Can I do all that? If they say no, like in a really loud, forceful way, maybe slam the door in your face, I want you to stop, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and just ask yourself, who peed in their Rice Krispies? The point was that dad or that mom could have come home after having a, a rough day at work. Their boss yelled at them, and then you're the first person they saw after that happened, and they're going to take it out on you. That's why we ask questions. You want to understand what's going on. And if you understand that, then you can have a conversation about the real issues. And I will tell you this, nobody wakes up in the morning and says to themselves, my goal today is to be the biggest jerk possible. Nobody wants that. No kid says when I grow up I want to be a jerk. We grow up wanting to do other things, be other things. But there are things going on in our lives. There's a thing behind the thing. And when you ask questions, you investigate instead of interrogate, you begin to understand those things. Investigate instead of interrogate. Here's the third, the third guideline. This is the hardest one of the three. Be a vessel, not a victim. Be a vessel, not a victim. Our family likes Survivor. Um, I haven't seen the latest one, so don't tell me what happened. On Survivor, like, we, we are in a culture of, like, we value the blind side, don't we? Like, we value that. Like, the, the bigger the blind side, the, the more unexpected, the better. 
we value revenge as a culture. And if you can get somebody back and really do it in a creative way, that's even better. Now, real life is so much more important than Survivor because Survivor is just a game show, right? It's probably not even a reality show. It's just a show. But, man, this is real life. And we can't value retaliation. We can't value revenge. But our culture does. And that's why this third one is so hard because everybody screams, be a victim. And let me tell you what victims do. Victims retaliate. But guess what vessels do? Vessels reallocate. Yes, it rhymes, and it's also good. I'll say it again. Victims retaliate. Oh, you came at, you came at me? I'm going to come back at you. But vessels reallocate. Vessels take what is coming from heaven through them, and they reallocate where that blessing goes. Let me show you that in Scripture, because you don't believe it, because you're like, Scripture doesn't rhyme like that. 1 Peter 3.9 says this, don't repay evil for evil. Don't be a victim. Don't just give back what you got. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Don't retaliate. Reallocate the blessing of God into that person's life. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. So probably like the big question would be, how exactly do we do that, right? Because if you're like me and somebody's been difficult in your life and they're making you start to feel like the devil, reallocating the blessings of God through your life to their life just doesn't have much of a payoff, does it? Not, not quite as much as like hitting them. <laughs> right? Like, not that I'm advocating that, but it does, it would feel good, wouldn't it? It'd be like, I just like, I got them back. But to reallocate what God's given you into their life is not natural. So how do we do that? And here's how we do it. We remember what Jesus did for us, Ephesians 4, 32. It says, instead, because he's just written a bunch of verses about how not to live with each other, how not to interact with each other. He says, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So how do we reallocate blessings to people that are difficult to deal with? We do it by remembering what Jesus did for us. Paul said, forgive as you've been forgiven. So you don't have to answer this out loud, but just kind of process it in your head. How were you forgiven? How was I forgiven? Oh, I, I was easy to forgive God. That's how I was forgiven. I was, I mean, I did some bad stuff. I know I did some bad stuff, but I did so much more good that when you look down on the planet, you were like, I look at all the people on the earth, and I saw Paul. Oh, I saw Paul. Paul. Mm. I mean, I, he's got some stuff to work out, but Paul is so good. He's like at least 97% good, 3% bad. He's easy to forgive. Is that what the Bible says about us? The Bible says, I believe in Romans chapter 5, that when I was his enemy, Jesus died for me. When I was difficult to deal with, he died for me. When God looked down from heaven and was like, how can I stay godly when I have to deal with Paul? That's when he died for me. I'm positive you're not getting this. So look at me real quick. 
Because you've heard people talk about, I've said this before too, like if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have died for you, right? That's true. But if you were the only one on earth, then what would you have done first? Killed him, right? You would have put the nails in his, in his hands and his feet. You would have put the thorns on his head. You would have mocked him, spit on him, because you would be the only person who could do that, and he still would have died for you. Like while we were his enemies, he gave his son for us. That's how we were forgiven. So back to Romans 12. Listen to, listen to me read this again, the last five verses, okay, so 17 through 21. Just in light of this, be a vessel, not a victim. How can we, instead of retaliating, how can we reallocate the blessings of God? We do that by remembering what Jesus did for us, remembering that we were difficult to deal with. And in light of that, right, in light of that, listen to these verses. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Life hack, y'all. Sometimes all you can to live in peace is to not live together. Like sometimes to live in peace with certain people, you just can't be in the room with them. Right? Like I cannot be around you right now because it's not going to be good. I'm going to go over here. Right? Distance is not always a bad thing if our heart is right. Dear friends, never take revenge. This is the key. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. If you have the NIV version, you have it. It says this, leave room for God's wrath. That does not sound good, does it? He's like, don't take revenge. Instead, reallocate blessing. And in such a way, when you do this, what it says is you will be like heaping coals of uh, uh, burning coals on their head. Like, think about this. If somebody's difficult to deal with, these are amazing pictures, right? I want to leave room for God's wrath. Check. I'd like to put a bunch of burning charcoal on their face. Check, right? And God told me to do it. Triple check. Yes, this is the part of the Bible I really want to obey, right? But check this out, right? Go back to forgive as he forgave us. If we leave room for God's wrath, where was God's wrath most on display and most satisfied? At the cross. When you leave room in your difficult relationships for God's wrath, what you're really doing is the way that you're responding to the difficult people is leaving room in the relationship for them to be pointed to the cross. I mean, literally, we should be walking away from difficult people, and they should be saying stuff like this. I don't know what it is about them because they drive me nuts, but I can't get them to respond. I don't, they won't react like I want them to react. They just keep talking about like how they used to be jerks, and sometimes they still are, but God forgave them through Jesus at the cross. And I, ah, ah. Do that long enough, and eventually that ah, turns into, I want to know about Jesus. And when we leave room for God's wrath, it points them to the cross. So here's the hard part. If we take revenge, if we play the victim, if we retaliate, if we give back to them what they gave to us, we completely take Jesus out of the equation. Completely. I mean, I know he, he has power to override us all, but we, in that relationship, in that moment, they're not going to be pointed to Jesus. They're going to be pointed to us. They'll be thinking about how they can come back at us even harder. When we retaliate, when we give back to them what they gave to us, it stays horizontal. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. 
horizontal and vertical. But check this out. If we're not victims, if instead we're vessels and we're like, okay, God, you're pouring blessings out in my life, and how can I reallocate that into their lives? Even though they don't deserve it, but I didn't deserve it either, and you forgave me when I was your enemy, and I'm supposed to forgive as I was forgiven. So how can, how can I do When we do that, then our prayer becomes not how can I give back to you what you gave to me, but how can I give to you what God gave to me? That's a game changer, y'all. Now, do any of us live this out perfectly? No. No. Wendy is close. But only because she lives with the most difficult person, right? That's why. This is hard. It's hard. Like, we don't have, we don't have this checklist in our head, like, when we're getting attacked verbally by a boss or whatever. We don't, like, go through the, oh, wait, wait. Okay, Paul said, don't take revenge. Um, reallocate the blessings. Like, we start acting it out, and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's not easy. But, man, it, it bears good fruit. It bears good fruit. And it points people to Jesus, which is what we want to do anyway, right? So how, how, do we, how do we remain godly when people make us feel like the devil? We remember what Jesus did for us. We remember that we were forgiven when we were like the devil. He forgave us. And instead of taking revenge, we offer redemption. We point them to Jesus. And listen, just so you can hear me be super practical, everybody look at me, this is really important because some of y'all have got some super difficult people in your lives. Sometimes the best way to point people that are difficult to Jesus is to get yourself away from those people so that God can, somebody else can step in and point them to Jesus, right? Like you're not the Savior. We're just vessels. We're just reallocating the blessings of God to them. And the, what is the greatest blessing of God? It's his forgiveness. It's his grace. And we just become vessels. Oh, man. Man, don't say it out loud to them, but like, boy, you need a lot of grace today. Keep it coming, Lord. They're bad. You know know what I'm saying? Like, but man, when we think that way, we don't. Well, I got all the grace, and when you act better, I'll give you some. Because that's not how he treated us. Now, this is a really simple message, isn't it? It really is. It's like Gospel 101. It's just not simply lived. (laughs) Can I get an amen on that, right? Like tomorrow you're going to go back to school, work, whatever. Some of you right now, like you you didn't hear anything I said because early, like you were Googling that Masters of Revenge website because you just had had a whole Thanksgiving with your family, and you're going to be sending some texts, right? Like I get it. But, man, if you want to live godly and not do what the world does, Romans chapter 12, 9 through 21, that's your recipe. That's your recipe. Leave room for God's wrath. Let God take revenge because the way he takes revenge is he poured it all, all out on his son at the cross, and he offers redemption. And when we do that, man, I'm telling you, they might not change for a long time, but you will. And that's really what God's after.